innovative Often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it Make it way harder for them to follow What I take it Hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious bruh I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk You painted skunks You played enough I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight WHUPLP, Hillsboro, North Carolina, once and forever the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast. We are coming to you not live. We are coming to you pre-recorded, and we are not actually coming to you from Hillsboro today. This is my last week on the road, and so I'm traveling all around for work and for fun, training at a lot of different schools, and recording the show uh, every week. We'll be back in North Carolina in the studio next week. We've got some really exciting guests lined up for our triumphant return to North Carolina. We'll be interviewing new Pendergrass black belt Sean Zorio. We'll be interviewing some of the uh, U.S. grappling crew that uh, drive around in the truck and uh, bring you excellent tournaments. More on that in a second. Uh, and we'll have some exciting new announcements about, you know, including maybe a save the date for our next live event. So um, for now, um, I'm recording the show couple days early uh, from the 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody's going to have a great weekend. Be safe out there. And we're going to do a little different show this time. Uh, because I'm on the road, visiting a lot of schools, I also am uh, meeting a lot of folks and I've been training this week at Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And those guys run the uh, Great Northeast BJJ podcast. And so I got asked to be on that, and we sort of agreed that we would do a little podcast swap. So you'll hear excerpts um, from my interview uh, with those guys, with Jay Mansfield, with George Law, with the Riddler, um, who I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, uh, to say the Riddler's real name. But uh, anyway, the guys from the Great Northeast BJJ podcast uh, were awesome guys, really welcomed me into, the, into their gym and their recording studio, and were kind enough to let me uh, use some of the excerpts from that interview. So we'll be running a little of that. After the news segment, which we'll get to in a second, I also want to say we're going to do something uh, that we set up on Facebook this week. When uh, you know we've made about 50 shows so far, and uh, which is very exciting. Very very happy about all the support uh, that people have shown. Really blows us away that um, the amount of the amount of support that we've seen. And so I got to thinking. I wondered when looking at some of the statistics on SoundCloud. I wondered what people would guess the most popular five shows were. So I posted a thread on the Concussion Cast Facebook page as well as my own Facebook page, and I asked some folks, "Hey, you know, why don't you, why don't y'all make a make a list of what you think the top five most popular shows are?" And when you make that list, um, the person that gets the most right is going to win a Concussion Cast prize package. And so interestingly, like, uh, so we're going to have a segment where we we count down not just the top five, but the top ten. Uh, podcast episodes that we've done so far, along with some, um, along with some excerpts from those most popular shows. Uh, without getting into it too much, I think the results may surprise you. And one of the things that I'll that I'll say right away is nobody actually guessed the most popular podcast, which which surprised me a bunch. Um, and it actually, uh, so I think that there'll be some fun surprises for you if you listen to that segment as we count that down. And it might 
inspire you to go re-listen to some of those old shows because uh, it, I, I had a lot of fun going back and listening to the old shows, uh, and hopefully you will as well. So before we get into the news, I'll mention that you can always uh, email us at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. You can get us at us on Twitter at cagesidewhup, cagesidewhoop. We're also cagesidewhoop on Instagram. If you want to get at us on Facebook, that's Cageside Radio, facebook.com slash Cageside Radio. You can always hear us live on whoopfm.org at 10 a.m. every Sunday. That is also archived at the whoopfm.org website, and we're also on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. So without further ado, uh, let's get into the news. And there's a lot of news coming up, most of it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu related, uh, not just because uh, I'm recording the show without Trevor, although uh, that is a factor, I'm not going to lie. There's just a lot of really great Jiu-Jitsu events coming up in North Carolina and around uh, the surrounding region. So first and foremost, the first thing that's coming up is uh, July 9th, which is the same day as UFC 200, is Jiu-Jitsu Theater. We've had Vernon Kirk on uh, from that promotion, and we had Jimmy from The Good Fight, who's also putting together, helping to put together that event. It's going to be a really fun event, I think. They're, they've put together a really interesting card with an interesting format, and they're going to play a classic kung fu movie in between the break between the uh, between the tournament event and the pay-per-view card. That is July 9th. You can find all the information on jujitsutheater.com. Um, you can also find that information on our website. So I think they're t- still taking some registrations, so if you're a white or a blue belt, check it out if you want to compete. And if not, yeah, there are a lot of really good matches uh, on, on that event. Uh, so uh, so go go and check it out. Um, July 16th, if, if you're more into competing than you are to watching other people compete, U.S. Grappling is hosting submission-only Raleigh, and that is July 16th. And this is always one of my favorite events of the year because U.S. Grappling, when they run submission-only tournaments, these aren't submission-only but with a time limit or, or any of those other rule set things that are some, sometimes a, uh, driven by the format. You know, when we do events like Toro Cup or the Cage Side Concussion Cast Carnival, we put on really fun matches, but because the event has to be done at a certain time, we have to put a time limit on those matches. And so often it'll be like a submission only, but 20 minute time limit, or the Toro Cup format, one 10 minute submission only round, then a five minute points round, then a sudden death overtime round. No, US Grappling Raleigh is just you put two folks on the mat, and one of them is eventually going to submit. And we had, you know, we, we, we broke down some numbers and talked to Chrissy Lindsay about um, the average length of those matches. And I think the average length of those matches is only about eight and a half minutes. But you average out an Alex Cummings six foot or six, six second flying armbar or ankle lock with uh, Andrew Smith and Nakapon Pungpon uh, going for three hours. And there's a lot of variance in that. But the format is really one of the purest, it's probably the purest format left where, you know, there's no points, there's no excuses. You just kind of get out there with with somebody else who wants to compete, and one of you um, and one of you gives up. So there are both gi and no gi divisions, weight and absolute divisions. That is July 16th in Raleigh at the Curvance Building at the fairgrounds. You can register at usgrappling.com. We'll also post the link to the registration on the Concussion Cast website. Later on, and the last jujitsu card that I'll talk about is uh, Pro Jitsu Five is coming up. And if you listen to last week's show, you heard a couple of the competitors, uh, Amber Senke and uh, and Becky Lee Austin who will be on that card. We'll be interviewing some other members uh, or some other people that are on that card as well. Hopefully Jeff Munson, hopefully Dan Miller will, will come on the show. Um, always really interested in promoting local jiu-jitsu. And, and so um, if you're, you know, in pro-jitsu, uh, has, if you can't get there in person, this is in Wilmington, North Carolina, if you can't get to Wilmington for the show, you can always uh, order the pay-per-view and support local jiu-jitsu that way. 
so that's what's coming up in terms of the uh, in terms of the jiu-jitsu pay-per-view events as well as the jiu-jitsu tournaments that you can sign up for. Uh, if if I missed anything, let me know. That's uh, uh, once again cagesidewhoop at gmail.com on Twitter at cagesidewhup. Before we end the news segment, I want to just say one other thing, which is you just heard me rattle off three upcoming really cool jiu-jitsu events. And one of the great things about training in North Carolina and the Southeast now is there's more events than there have ever been, which is fantastic. You know, if you love jiu-jitsu, you really have an opportunity to get out and compete, and you have an opportunity to get out and watch. So, you know, most anyone who listens to the podcast knows that we put on our first live event, the Concussion Cast Carnival. So as I, as I, as I, uh, I speak into the microphone, um, I've just found out that Toro Cup 4 is going to be September 10th, um, there's a, and so I want everybody to put that on the calendar. Uh, friend of the show, John Bagels Telford, Beast Brown Belt competitor, is going to be making the matches for that event. I usually make the matches, but uh, get at Bagels if you would like to get on that card. I'm really excited because this will be the first uh, card that we have at the new cage side location, at the new Triangle Jiu-Jitsu location, which is bigger, much more mat space. I think it'll be a much more uh, spectator-friendly event, and we'll, we'll, we'll do some fun things. And, and I'm sure the matches are going to be awesome. John has, has told me some of the matches that he has planned, and you know I don't want to jump the gun with announcing those, but I do want to say, boy, those are going to be good matches, so please hold the date September 10th. And this is a less firm date, but we may want to do another Concussion Cast live event. And and this is sort of a, a new, you know, a nascent idea that there's not a lot of details at. But, you know, because there's so many events these days, we try and get out on the calendar as long as possible. And October 15th is going to be my birthday weekend. And so I would like everybody, if, you, if, you, if you're interested in seeing another Concussion Cast live event that um, will be a little bit different than anything I think you've seen before, try and hold October 15th because we'll probably, uh, because that is the date that we're looking at for the next Concussion Cast event. And so that's the news. If we missed anything, let us know, uh, tell us what you think, and uh, get us on the calendar for all of these upcoming events. So now that we're done with the news, um, I mentioned I've been traveling a lot for jiu-jitsu. And one of the things that I want to do, that I'll do for a future show, is uh, talk about etiquette for jiu-jitsu travel. Because, you know, everybody has a home gym. And you sort of know the culture of your home gym. You know, if you guys bow in, bow on and off the mats. You know, if you call your professor, professor or sensei or just that person's name. You know what the convention is. You know, some gyms are... are, uh, are more strict than others about not asking upper belts to roll. But if you train at a home gym, you sort of know what to expect. And one of the things that I notice when, when I travel all around, and I've traveled at a bunch of different gyms, uh, or traveled and trained at a bunch of different gyms for work now, is that everybody has sort of a different expectation for what is kind and courteous jujitsu etiquette. And so I'm going to put together a segment for the next show about that. And so if you want to contribute to that, and let me know, what you think the most important thing uh, to do or to keep in mind when you visit a gym or if you're a gym owner or somebody that's a really um, potent community member at your gym and you have an idea about, like, I hate it when guys come in and visit and do X, uh, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter, hit me up on email, and let me know uh, something about that for the next segment. But one place, you know, one place, but, but I've been very lucky in that a lot of the places that I've trained are super laid back and very cool and very welcoming. And I want to say thanks to the guys at Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because those guys have been some of the most welcoming dudes and super fun, really tough guys, really technical guys. Everybody there is good at Jiu-Jitsu, but everybody there also has a really healthy uh, sort of attitude in terms of 
we're going to train, we're going to go after it, but it's always a friendly environment. Nobody's trying to kill each other. And they have a podcast that you should check out if you're interested in jiu-jitsu in the Northeast. They've had some cool guests, including Chris Howder and, uh, so, and, and of course, me. <laughs> so, so the new show that they have up on iTunes right now is about a two-and-a-half-hour interview uh, with the three, the three guys um, from the Great Northeast BJ po- BJJ podcast interviewing me. Uh, so I didn't want to steal all their whole show, uh, especially because I only have an hour. And so I pulled some excerpts uh, from that show. And so over the next few minutes, um, if you've ever just desperately wanted to hear me talk more, and I know you have, then you'll hear me talking. We'll hear, we, it, was a good, it was a cool thing to talk to those guys about the meaning of jiu-jitsu competition, about how you approach jiu-jitsu competition, about how you approach training. And it's kind of interesting to get a different perspective on that. It was kind of cool because one of the guys, uh, as you'll hear, uh, George and I competed against each other uh, at the New York Open last year. Had a great match, really tough, really competitive match. And it was weird because both of us were like, man, it's like it's sort of like grappling against myself. So without further ado, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some excerpts from the great uh, Northeast BJJ podcast. Again, that's available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and go check those guys out. And so when I think of what, how I feel before I walk out there, the goal is to put myself in a state to make sure that, and it's not easy, like, you, you know, Jeff, like, you've competed in the biggest tournaments in the world. There is an environment there that's difficult to step out into and, and compete at your best. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, there's some mental preparation. You're either calming yourself or work, whatever works for you, working yourself up, you know what I mean? For me, it's putting myself in a spot to be reactive. Some place where, where when the guy says go, I'm not like behind in the game already. Like my, my, my nature is to start a little bit slow and then like kind of get into the role and see what happens. Like I need to walk out there being ready. So if this guy comes out with it like a, like a blast double, I'm ready for it. So I don't mean mug, but I'm definitely not smiling. Like I do my own thing and it's kind of weird. So well, like, I, you're kind of I mean, weird, I, I read, dude. Yeah, I read your I read your blog post, and you kind of pointed that. Out. I mean, if that's if that's what someone wants to do, it's cool. It's just you kind of put in your own way of not. I'm not. That's, that's, you were saying even those guys who are completely going for it. I mean, that's what they do. It's just you chose not to deal with it. Yeah, way. it's not my personality. I think a lot of times, like your jujitsu reflects your personality, yeah. right? Where it's yeah. like I can't mean mug somebody. It's just not who I am. And like I have this story from. When I competed at the Worlds last, which was 2014, and it's amazing. It's you know, a be- a awesome experience. Twelve mats going, and I was a blue belt at the time. And there's so many damn blue belts, so I got to be the first match. And so, you know, so all my friends are watching on live stream, and it's like the mats are empty, and they got all the refs in their suits, and it's a kind of in you know, it can be an intimidating environment. And I was lucky because I'd competed at the Worlds a couple times before, so it didn't it didn't get to me. And this was after like 10 weeks of cutting weight. So I'm walking around at like 136. And I'm just like, yeah, no. And I was like, I was so ready to just compete because I'd put in the hard work and done the dieting. And I'm like, now it's time to have fun. And so all of my friends from North Carolina are there. Like a bunch of them are competing too. And Jason Colbreth, who is a black belt and a mean, mean, mean old man from, (laughs) from, from North Carolina, is like, he sees me smiling. He sees me waving at people. And he's like, Jeff, Jeff, put your game face on. Jeff, put your game face on. And I'm like, this is my game face. And he says, like, disgusted, but also a little amused. I guess you got to be who you are. (laughs) (laughs) And it was clear he didn't think that was the best thing. But he's like, all right, you got to be who you are. In your case, Jeff, I there is, 
I feel like there's some reflection of how you feel about what it is you're doing and the like because I think this you just said it it's the gathering of the community in jujitsu it's like these are get to these are family get-togethers and I really feel like you feel that way even when you're competing oh for sure for sure I mean like you know, this is a niche thing that we do. It's a weird thing. We get around in our pajamas and we grapple with each other, and 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 we love it. And you get, you know, and, and you, you know, you and I were talking before the podcast. You you mentioned that, you know, you hate it when people quit after like six months because, like, man, you're so close to this life changing experience that's going to bring you into this community where you will quickly become obsessed. And and like, I feel a kinship with everybody who does jujitsu, and 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 like. You know, I respect everybody who steps on the mats. And, you know, I, so I'm with what George said earlier, where it's like, yeah, man, I'm going to try my best to beat you. I'm going to try my best to pass your guard. But it's like, I, I love the fact that we have this community where you can try your best to really kick each other's ass and then go get beer and wine after. Well, you were in like a funny situation when you recorded him, with him, right? You were at like a yes, were you at a competition. At the worlds, yeah, I was at the worlds this year, and I was sitting in the second row watching some of the, and it was like the the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. and we were watching all these awesome matches, and I think I was watching Edwin Najmi. Oh, down and, to two mats, right? Yeah, right yeah. down to two mats, and it's like awesome jujitsu, and Edwin Najmi was killing everybody until he ran into Lucas Lepre, who was amazing. But like this was before that happened, and just great jujitsu, right? And so me and my instructor Seth, uh, my my teammate Shayla too, who got a bronze medal, my teammate Kim Rice, who got a silver medal, we're all sitting there just watching, and there's an empty seat right next to me in the second row, and this guy comes and sits next to me, and I look over, and it's Hicks and Gracie, and I turn over, and everyone. Every one of my teammates has uh, the face like Edvard Munch's The Scream. They're all like, do you know who that is? Oh, right. oh you mean the Home Alone face. Yeah, right, right totally, right. which is also very good back choke defense, right? The Home Alone. <laughs> right. um, you know, you put, you put your hands up there. They can't get at your arteries. And, and so, sincerely, I vapor locked for like, and you know, and I, I like people. I like talking to people. I'm not a person that gets starstruck super easily, but they're like, you got to interview him for the podcast. Did you have your equipment? I did. I, I was carrying my gear around because the idea for the podcast was, I'll just interview all the local people, you know, so I'll just have my gear. And so like, oh, hey, you just competed. How did that feel? Oh, hey, how did your match go? And of course, you know, you can also interview the best in the world, too, where it's like, oh, hey, it's Michelle Nicolini. Oh, hey, it's Buchacha. Hey, what's up? And so you, so you yeah. actually had your gear. You mean literally with you literally at that time. You're looking down. Yeah, you had to do this. Yeah, so I had to. you right. got to get your mind right before you, you talk to the man. Exactly. Because you don't want to be <laughs> you like, know? you don't want to be like, Hicks and um, you're do you remember? Great. Do you remember that you're one time? So good. Yeah, that was so cool. Can you, do you know who you are? That was awesome. <laughs> um, is it weird that you're, you know, here now? <laughs> so, so this is true. Like, so, so I look over and like all my team knows what a jujitsu nerd I am, and they know that like because they've seen me geek out over like. Why don't you call yourself Rickson? Yeah. <laughs> That yeah, I was definitely gonna, that was going to be the last question I asked him. But like all my my teammates have seen me like nerd out over oh dude that's Adolfo Vieira oh sweet you know I wish he was competing this year let me try and interview him oh dude that's Bernardo Faria we talked about the deep half guard oh this guy's awesome and so this is the guy right and so they're like why aren't you going to interview him and I'm like my mind is blank I can't think of anything to ask him and I'm not just gonna walk up to Hickson and be like could you talk about jujitsu because I like jujitsu and I hear that you like jujitsu <laughs> and so I'm like I'll go over and talk to him after I think of three intelligent questions and if I can't get to three i'm not gonna waste the man's time (laughs) 
so Betsy's dad's a retired colonel in the Marine Corps. And, uh, and every, and it's a tough meaning. Yeah, yeah, dude. And so, well, no, he's, he's, he's awesome. And we had, and like, so I knew I was going to like him uh, for many reasons, but like, so one of the things he has on the wall in his study is the same thing Henzo Gracie has on the uh, wall the in his gym. Teddy Roosevelt. Exactly. Yeah. The man in the uh, arena, yeah. right? And it's like, I can't deal with people that make fun of others who try and fail, but never themselves try. You know what I mean? Oh, like dude, the dude right. that's like, oh, did you see that guy get tapped in that tournament? It's like, when was the last time that right. you, it's <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, if you don't put it, put yourself on the line, you don't get to make fun of other people who put themselves on the line. And I thought that was an awesome commonality that like, you know. And, th- and there's a reason it's one of the most famous presidential speeches, right? Because it's true and it's awesome. It's the credit belongs the to the person in the right. arena who's, you know, who... Not who, a critic, Not man. those timid souls yeah. who will know neither victory nor defeat, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, that's a wor- that's for everybody listening, that's worth a Google if you haven't done yeah. it, is Roosevelt's speech. Yeah. And losing sucks. And, you know, right? <laughs> but, it does, yeah. But you're, willing, but you're willing to step up and experience it if that's fate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think everybody that competes deserves credit. And it's like, you know, you might win, you might lose, but you definitely showed the intestinal fortitude to get out there and put yourself on the line. In jiu-jitsu, you're right. You're right. Because it's such a hard sport to, first of all, to learn. Even walk in the door. To even walk in the door. door. And you know what? And that's, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was my thought is that, is that to step on the mat in a competition shows that like, all right, I know what can happen to me, but I'm going to try anyway. And I know what might happen, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's the people that stand outside the academy and are afraid to walk through the door, and they keep walking. I'm like, that's what's wrong with the world right there. That's what's wrong with the world is that that person is interested, and they want to, and they're too afraid to walk through the front door. And my mission is to figure out how to get people to just open the door and like to just to overcome the fear for just that 10 seconds and walk through the door and, be, and say, what's all this about? And that's all you can ask for as an opportunity to change someone's life because not to get too gooey here, but it does like my life revolves around jujitsu. Like the concepts I learned in the mat, like, like that woman, who was she before she started training? And did she, was she empowered like that? Like, you know what I mean? Certainly not. You know, why do we all get so like obsessed with jujitsu, man? Why, you know what I mean? Like, we I think all we're become talking about so it's the right greatest now. thing ever created by humans. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned at the beginning of the show on Facebook this week, I asked everybody, Hey, what do you think the top five most listened to podcasts are? And we got a wide array of answers. People had a lot of guesses, some of those guesses, and 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 you know, a lot of those guesses were really great, a lot of those guesses were, were really. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed too. And of course, I have the benefit of uh, of having the data right in front of me, uh, so so it's kind of cheating. But I want to say three things before we count down uh, the top ten podcast episodes that we've done. I, I, three or four things. So first, I just want to thank everybody for listening to the show. You know, we didn't know where this was going to go when we started doing the show, and now you know, almost fifty episodes in, we really have a pretty wide sample. Of, of stuff that we've done. And so it's really interesting to see the kind of stuff that people respond to. Now, what, what's popular is not always good, and what's good is not always popular. And I think, you know, popular music shows that. But, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we give you guys the interviews that you want to listen to, that you get to hear who you want to hear from. And so it's cool to look back at some of the statistics and see, all right, this is the most popular podcast. These are the trends that we're seeing. And so, uh, you know, I don't want us to spoil the top 10 list, but um, here are some of the interesting trends. Um, 
a few caveats first. First of all, all of this data is from SoundCloud because SoundCloud has the most robust stats interface. If that sounded nerdy, that's because it's nerdy. But basically that means it gives me the most information I can that's the easiest to read. Now, this isn't written in stone because there are a lot of different ways to listen to the show. A lot of people listen live on the radio. A lot of people listen on the whoopfm.org website. We don't have access to those stats. A lot of people listen on iTunes or Stitcher. But SoundCloud has a really useful stats interface and so all of these numbers come from there. The other thing is, I kind of thought that when I interviewed, I thought the numbers would go up when I, the, the more famous people I interviewed. And so we've been really lucky on the show to be able to, to interview some legends of jiu-jitsu and martial arts generally, you know, Hicks and Gracie, Michelle Nicolini, Robert Drysdale, um, you know, um, among other folks. And one thing that I think that you'll notice is that those shows don't necessarily get listened to more, and in some cases, in some cases, get listened to less than a lot of folks in the North Carolina community. So what that kind of tells me is that people are really interested in their na- in their friends, their neighbors, their training partners, and frankly, they should be. You know, there's lots of folks that we've interviewed that you know you might train it alongside, or you might see at U.S. grappling tournaments, or you might you might know from, from you know my instructor talks about this guy says he's really good. Or you might be a jiu-jitsu guy who doesn't know a lot about the MMA scene or, or vice versa. And a lot of the people in, in the North Carolina jiu-jitsu scene and beyond have incredible life stories and just incredible tales to tell. And so that's one thing that one, – one recurring trend that I noticed. And so we're going to start the countdown with that spirit in mind because the number 10 most listened to show is somebody that I think is super interesting and somebody that um, that – Everybody was clamoring for us to have on the podcast, and so it doesn't surprise me that our number 10 most listened to show was Mary Holmes from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Brand new brown belt, active competitor, one of the most well-rounded and well-respected martial artists in the Carolinas. And when I say well-rounded, here's what I mean. I don't just mean that Mary is good at in every Jiu-Jitsu position, although she is. She's good on top, she's good on the bottom, her escapes are good, her attacks are good, her passing is good, her guard is good. I don't just mean that, though, but Mary's not just good at rolling and not just good at competing, but she's also an excellent teacher that's really thoughtful about the martial arts. And that, I think, is part of what makes for a good interview. And you know, someone that is as skilled and as technical as Mary has a lot to offer. And so I was really pleased with that. The other thing that I'll notice before we play uh, some an excerpt of our interview with Mary Holmes is that a lot of these shows, a lot of the newer shows uh, – you know, so our newer shows get listened to more than our older shows, which is great. It tells us that we're doing something right. The audience is growing and we're building an audience. But what that also means is a lot of the newer episodes haven't accreted listens as much as the initial shows. And so the newer shows, like Mary, will eventually be even ranked higher because you know if you've had six months to get listens, you're going to have more listens than, than, than if you've had one month to get listens. And that's just math. So anyway, uh, and besides that, I just had a lot of fun doing the interview. And one of the things that you notice when you do something like this is your favorite shows, that is my favorite shows, are not always the shows that get listened to the most by the listeners, which is fine. You know, we're all listening uh, for different reasons. But um, one of the things that, that I was most pleased when I talked to folks is everyone was excited to get Mary on the show, and everybody responded really well to the show. And so um, I've talked long enough, and now let's hear an excerpt from our interview with Mary Holmes. We are all incredibly afraid of the what ifs, like all the catastrophizing we do in our heads, all the negative things that we see that could happen. But 
if you stop and think about it, yeah, all those bad things can happen, but wonderful, amazing things can happen as well in terms of you learn and grow as a competitor and you learn how to change your mindset about competing. And if you aren't huge into competing in the sense that you don't want medals, but you do care about self-defense, that awful like adrenaline overload is terrible. That tunnel vision you get is terrible. And I think it's just as important to like recognize that and deal with that through competition so that in the future, like you, you are aware of it, that mindfulness that comes from, from acknowledging what you're feeling. And I think that competition allows you to do that in a controlled environment. And, um, and again, like you don't get benefits if you don't take take risks. Like you don't grow, you can grow in jujitsu. It's not you, not everyone has to compete. Like no one, like I know a lot of people who are amazing at jujitsu who I never see compete. But I also see a lot of people who compete and they come back and they're like, I did this, this, and this well, but I want to work on this, this, and this. And so for those people who kind of like are losing focus on what they want to work on next. I think competition is a good way to get that back. So I think that the mindfulness from the controlling the, the adrenaline, the nervousness, um, working on getting over certain fears and kind of harnessing that energy. And then also too, the, the growing and growing as a jujitsu um, practitioner, like this is what I want to work on next. And again, getting that focus. So those are the things that I think of when I think of competition. So that was Mary Holmes from Chapel Hill, Gracie jujitsu. Our number nine most popular show is actually really similar to Mary in that this person is also a brown belt. This person is also an active competitor. This person is also really well-known in the community and is also very well-rounded. John Bagels Telford, who has been a guest on the show a couple times, is not just a jiu-jitsu competitor, was a successful MMA fighter, um, is a teacher at Forged Fitness, um, is very prominent at U.S. Grappling. Everyone sees Bagels around at U.S. Grappling and has you know a real passion for jiu-jitsu as well as a passion for telling stories about jiu-jitsu. And so these two people, in, in, in some sense, are kind of parallels. They're both really prominent community members in a similar sort of place in the community, even though they're, you know, they do different things with their lives. And so people know John a lot because John competes all the time. And, uh, and he, you know, he competes not at, you know, he competes at every U.S. grappling tournament, but also does a lot of the big international tournaments. And one of the things that I found most interesting about our interview was talking with Bagels about being a regular competitor. And I sort of assumed, you know, because I, you know, I compete pretty regularly and eventually the nerves sort of went away for me, you know, and that part of that's that, that I'm old, but but, um, but, you know, John competes at the highest level. And, uh, and so I asked him, you know, about, you know, competition and nerves. And he gave me a really, you know, I think, detailed and deep answer that I think should be inspiring to all you folks that, um, all you folks that do get nervous before competition. And I'm not going to spoil the answer, but, like, if you get nervous before competition, you should consider that somebody that's accomplished just a ton and competes at an elite level uh, feels like this about jujitsu. Our number nine most popular interview, John Bagels Telford. Competition drives me crazy. I hate it. And I hate it so much that it drives me to want to conquer it. Like, my desire to, to compete is, you know, winning is awesome, but beating the fear of competing is way better than that. If I can overcome the fear or whatever anxieties I have about stepping on the mat and doing this, I can do anything else. So that was John Bagels Telford, our number nine most popular show. 
Our eighth most popular show is one that kind of surprises me that it's not higher, to be honest with you. And this is why we sort of learn about you know what the audience wants while we're doing the show, and we're kind of learning as we go. And let's be real, the Concussion Cast is, in many respects, just kind of an excuse for me to sit down with who I want to talk to. And I love talking to Mary, and I love talking to Bagels. Um, but one person I'd always wanted to talk to, one of my jujitsu heroes, was Michelle Nicolini. And that's who our eighth most popular show is. Michelle Nicolini is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners ever, uh, just retired uh, from jiu-jitsu competition to focus on MMA, has won the world a dozen times, and is just a, a tremendous human being. I want to tell a story that's tangentially about Michelle Nic- that it, that's about Michelle Nicolini, but it will allow me to tangentially shout out somebody that has some big news, which is uh, I was supposed to have a super fight with DeAndre Corbet, who is awesome. And, you know, if you listen to the show at all, you know that we're huge fans of the Corbet brothers on the show. And DeAndre just got his brown belt. So congratulations, D. Uh, super well-deserved. It sort of motivates me to get a brown belt so we can do that match because <laughs> I think that'd be really fun, um, even though I don't have any illusions about how it would go. Uh, but so you might ask, what, why does DeAndre Corbet make me think of Michelle Nicolini? And I don't think I've heard that I've told this story on the podcast before. I just told it on the, uh, on the great Northeast BJJ podcast though. So it's sort of in my mind. So I took a private with Michelle, um, to, in order to, you know, when I saw Michelle Nicolini was doing a seminar down in, in uh, South Carolina, I figured a six hour, uh, one way drive was a small price to pay. And uh, Mary was actually at that seminar, too, and Rob Fielder, so, which kind of tells you, you know, <laughs> A, how jiu-jitsu nerdy we are, and B, uh, how well-respected Michelle Nicolini's game is. So I, I said, hey, can I interview you for the podcast, but I'd also like to do a private because I have this big match coming up. And so Michelle is legitimately one of the best competitors ever, you know, man or woman, and, uh, and immediately sort of started asking me these questions about like okay well who's the match against what does he like to do um what's your strategy okay let me show you these things and she spent like an extra half hour just going over stuff with me to help me prepare for this match and i am a random purple belt she's never met before and at the end of the private she said yeah hey keep in touch with me you know here you know let me know how the match goes and i think that just speaks so so well of her as an instructor and as a martial artist because you know, she has no reason to care about some random purple belt from a place that she's never been, but she was legitimately interested and gave me way more value for my money. Uh, you know, stayed extra. I was like, okay, well, if he likes to barambolo, you know, here's some cool sneaky barambolo counters, and it was just such a, a fun and amazing experience. And you know, I think you heard from the interview that she's also just a really down to earth person, and so. You know, it's always nice when you meet the elite of the elite and they turn out to be really cool. And so that's why I'm really happy uh, to report that Michelle Nicolini was our eighth most popular show. And here's an excerpt from that interview. There are things when you like travel a lot for competitions, everything happens. It's like always like good to be around people. They are so fun. Before competition, everybody looks like serious. And after people are like a little bit more, you know. I think I never had problem with anybody in jiu-jitsu, like everybody, girls that have fight, you know, it's good, good life. <laughs> so our seventh most popular show is quite ironic because it's related to the number eight most popular show. Our number seven most popular show is also a local guy who I've trained with a bunch and who I've learned a ton from and has been on the show twice now. And it's funny because when I interviewed him, and you'll probably be able to guess who it is based on context. I said to him, I said, man, maybe, you know, not very many people are going to listen to this show, but the one who, ones who are are going to dig it. 
And I was right about half of that um, because we got a ton of great feedback from both of the interviews with Jake Whitfield and a bunch of guys said, hey, we would love it if Jake just had a recurring segment to talk about jujitsu history, to talk about theory and application of jujitsu and, and just all the stuff that Jake is really passionate about. And so I was, I was right that people were really fired up about the show, but I was pleasantly surprised by how many people listened to it. So Jake Whitfield is our number seven most popular show. And uh, the irony of this is I got a text from Jake after he saw, like, I, I was talking to him uh, several months ago about like, hey, you know, we, we did this show with Michelle Nicolini. And he's like, oh, okay, well, how many people are listening to that compared to how, how, uh, how, how many people are listening to these others? And I told him. And a couple days later, I get a text from him that says, hey, do you know how you know there's still some sexism in the jiu-jitsu community? I was like, how's that, Jake? He's like, because Michelle Nicolini isn't higher than all these other people. And I was like, that's hilarious. And so I'm sure there's a part of Jake that's proud and part of a part of Jake that's a little bummed that his show has been listened to more than the great Michelle Nicolini. But I hope that that there is more pride than there is uh, d- disconcertion. So uh, anyway, I thought it was a great interview. I had a lot of fun. Uh, always learn a lot from Jake. And so let's get into some excerpts from our seventh most popular show with Hoist Crazy Black Belt, Jake Whitfield. I only have, I only have two, two things in my life that are meaningful. I have my kids and I have jujitsu and that's it. And that's everything that I am is those two things. So whatever I do or whatever I say, it, you know, it may or may not be tactful it may or may not be politically correct, um, but I say it out of – I say it or I do it out of a love for jiu-jitsu. Our sixth most popular show is also another another world-class elite competitor in jiu-jitsu and in martial arts, and he also has a new affiliate in the area. You may have heard us talk about uh, Elevate MMA Academy, uh, and they're under Robert Drysdale. And Robert Drysdale was kind enough to give us an interview after his seminar at Elevate MMA. Um, and I want to thank everybody, not just uh, Cody and all the people at Elevate for helping to set that up, but all the people at the seminar that were really patient while I, uh, I stole Rob away uh, for a half-hour interview. And I wish it had been you know three times as long. I wish we'd gotten his whole visit on, on tape because he's a really thoughtful guy, and he's a, really, he's a thoughtful guy that doesn't pull any punches. And if you listen to that interview, I think you know what I'm talking about in terms of you know, he will tell you how he actually feels. And that's why I think people reacted to that. And in addition to, you know, Drysdale being, you know, a, a top tier competitor uh, in jiu-jitsu and in MMA, I think that the people were really interested in what he had to say and appreciated the fact that, you know, he was, he was both polite and unflinching. And so if you're wondering what I'm talking about, why don't we play an excerpt from the interview, our sixth most popular interview with Robert Drysdale. I, I think that the, the lessons jiu-jitsu teaches go well beyond arm bars and sweeps. I think initially everyone who joins a gym, their immediate what, – what makes them walk through the door is like, oh, I don't want to get beat up on the streets. and need to learn how to defend myself. So the self-defense aspect draws people in, right? It doesn't get them to stay. Eventually, that's not enough. I think the social and the technical aspect of jiu-jitsu will get them to stay. I have my friends here. This is my second family. I love the jiu-jitsu lifestyle. This is fun. I learned that arm bar. I hit it the other day. That sweep was amazing. I can do it now. But I think ultimately the, the, the main lesson that jiu-jitsu teaches is one that is one of humility. You get beat every day. There's always someone better than you. You're never done learning. And these lessons are, to me, are more valuable than arm bars. 
So before we get into the top five, it's about time to get into the top five, and that uh, relates to the contest that we uh, that we had where we said, hey, try and pick your top five. Um, I want to say a couple things. First of all, people like people guessed all of these except for the number one show. And don't go and look at all the list of the shows, and don't go look at the Facebook thread because you'll. Want, I want you to be surprised. But but I was I was kind of surprised that nobody guessed it, and I was actually kind of kind of surprised at a lot of the uh, the rankings in the top five. One of the things that's kind of interesting is if you look at the thread or if you talk to some of your friends, the stuff that you think is going to be the most popular isn't always, and the stuff that you enjoy the most for whatever reason is not always going to be what your friends and teammates enjoy the most, even if you're typically of one mind. And so a lot of folks, you know, some people love the old school stories. I know I do. Some folks love the history. Other folks just want to get good technical advice uh, about their own martial arts careers. And some people just want to hear good stories. And in the top five, I think we have a little bit of all of those. And I know that a little bit of all of those happened in our fifth most popular interview, which was with Hoist Gracie Black Belt Steve Hall. Steve runs Fight to Win Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Charlotte and is a guy who's been around the scene for a long time, is a real pioneer, has done, you know, told some great stories about his days fighting MMA, um, told another excellent story about his community work, you know, about, about the community sort of coming together around him when he was uh, facing a health crisis. And, you know, I know that, that Steve is a guy who's, who's done a lot of great stuff in jiu-jitsu. And so, and, and this is actually a perfect example of, of one of the reasons I love doing the show, which is, you know, I, I've always known who Steve Hall is. You know, good friends with David Hall and, you know, his younger brother. And uh, they, uh, and, and, but he's not a guy that I knew particularly well. You know, even though we'd hung out a bunch at tournaments, I'd been out to train at his school a bit. And so it's really great to have an excuse just to sit down and say, hey, we've got an hour. Um, I want to hear, you know, your story. So I want to flag that not only because we're going to play one of my favorite excerpts from that interview with Steve, but also to highlight you, you the listeners, you know that there are people out there in, the, in this community. And so if you know of somebody like that, who's like, hey, this person has, has some great stories that really ought to make it on the air, uh, hit us up, cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. And so without further ado, let's kick off the top five with our interview with Steve Hall. When I came up, we had seminars and we had VCRs, and that was it. And if you were lucky enough to get a bootleg copy of some video of Mario Sperry's Master Series or, or one of the other big ones that was out at that time, there were very, very few of them available. Uh, Leo Zeno's uh, uh, Dynamic Jiu-Jitsu, I think, was, was one of the first ones that I really changed what I was doing. And we, we were lucky that I had a very affluent school, and the guys that ran the school had other careers and had a lot of money. And we were lucky that we, had to, we got the opportunity to bring in a lot of really world-class black belts at the time those it 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 would be like today bringing in like the mendez brothers and bringing in you know galvao and those guys like that's what we had available to us and we would bring them in for you know a weekend or a couple of weeks at a time and we were very lucky to be able to do that and that's where we got a lot of our techniques from and Oh, man, I was hungry for it. And uh, we had a library of VHS tapes at our school, and I would take 10 of them at a time and stay up all night and watch them over and over and over again and, and trying to get as much as, as, I, as I could from that. But the most the, most of it was just trial and error. We just we got into the gym and we just beat each other up. And um, like I said, you know. On January 24th, there was an inch of snow in Durham, North Carolina. Now, this might seem not notable to you unless uh, – 
you're in and around the triangle and you understand that even a quarter inch is enough to shut the place down. And so I actually love the snow because it's not enough to really destroy your life, but it is enough to make your work shut down so you can sit around inside uh, with, in, in front of a wood stove and uh, with, a, with a glass of something hot and delicious and petting your dog, which is how I spent January 24th. Now, you might ask, what does this have to do with your fourth, fourth most popular show? And the answer is, I had always wanted to sit down with my good friend David Porter, a uh, really good brown belt under Pedro Sauer, active competitor, uh, and one of the truly good guys of jiu-jitsu. And, uh, and, you know, has some tremendous stories, and, uh, you know, and, and it is always fun to talk to, you know, just personally, even if not for the podcast. But with the snow... Uh, couldn't get to the studio. And so I spent that day interviewing David Porter via Skype in front of my, you know, while I sat there in my pajamas. For all I know, he was in his pajamas too. But um, it was a total blast, as it always is when I get together with Dave Porter. And uh, he told some tremendous stories, including a great story about piranha soup, about visiting Pedro Sauer headquarters down in Brazil, about his own competition career. Now he, like I, is obsesso compulso about keeping statistics which I really appreciate by the way. And, uh, and, and we just had it. We had a tremendous conversation that was uh, like for a long time, it was our most popular show. And so we'll have to get Dave back on the show, uh, hopefully after, uh, after late, late this summer. And some of you can probably put together what I'm talking about. And we'd love to have Dave back on the show. Um, uh, because like I said, this for a, was for a long time, our number one most popular show and we haven't talked to him in several months. And so we've got to rectify that. But for now, Let's relive that January 24th day. It's warm now. It's summer. So let's relive the snowy days of Pedro Sauer Brown Belt, Dave Porter on the Cage Side Concussion Cast. You know, the mongoose isn't faster than the snake, and he doesn't, he's not invulnerable. You know, mongoose do die to snake, to snake bites. But the reason why the mongoose can win is because he uses a higher intellect. He'll run counter to the direction of the coil of the snake, and draw out all the snake's length before he strikes at it. So then the snake's not as strong in its, in its best position. So technically speaking, if you want to talk about a mongoose, it does good jujitsu. That vaults us into the top three, folks. And you'll notice, at least I think you'll notice, that a lot of these are very recent shows, which I think is great. It shows that um, we're building an audience. And so please, if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend about it. Um, go give us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher or SoundCloud um, and, and, you know, share some of the, and, and, you know, I hope if you've, even if you're a regular listener and you hear some of these, uh, these show descriptions and some of the excerpts, that you'll go back and check out the archive because uh, I hope you'll enjoy them. And I hope that that will also help guide us on how to make the show as good as it can be. Cause we have some big plans uh, for the show in the, in the second half of 2016. So kicking off the top three um, and I've, you know, every so often I just feel so grateful just to be a part of this jiu-jitsu community uh, in North Carolina and just to be doing jiu-jitsu at all, you know, to have your health and to be able to, to, to still compete uh, and, and that sort of thing without getting too maudlin about it. But I also just feel heart-stoppingly lucky because – not because I trained at a gym uh, that I love uh, with, in an affiliation with, with great folks, but awesome things just kind of happen and – one of the awesome things that happened, and some of you probably can probably guess where I'm going with this, is when me and uh, the Team Hoist Gracie folks were out at the Worlds, Hicks and Gracie sat down right next to me and did an interview with me. And that is our third most popular show. And what's awesome about that is not only did I get you know a 10-minute interview with the greatest of all time, 
which was understandably, I, th- I think, m- responsible for some of that show's popularity. But I was also able to interview all the local folks who competed, you know, some of whom I knew really well, some of whom I mentioned in the show, Mary Holmes, for example, some of whom I train with, Kim Rice and Shayla too, both of whom got medals, uh, Caitlin Huggins, who's been on the show before and is a concussion cast sponsored fighter, and Ryan Galvin, who also got a bronze medal, who I hadn't met before. And it's sort of like, I'm always, you know, meeting new people in this jujitsu community of ours. And so this is actually probably my favorite show that we've done so far. Not just because, and not because of the popularity at all, and not even because, I mean, okay, partially because I got to talk to Hickson, but it's because, you know, this show sort of exemplifies what I would like to do with the show, which is, yeah, talk to some really famous, you know, world-class people, but also sort of keep track of what all of the local folks are doing in the competition scene, in the teaching, you know, aspects of jiu-jitsu as people progress through their bell levels. And this sort of all came together in that show, and that's why it's one of my favorite uh, shows, probably my favorite show we've done. But it is our third most popular show. And so let's play an excerpt from that Hicks and Gracie interview at the World Jiu-Jitsu Championship from last month. What is your favorite part about coming to the World Jiu-Jitsu Championship? Oh, it's always a great party for the, the, the Jiu-Jitsu community to put all the, the top athletes together in this kind of family environment. I think that's a very positive for the growth of the sport. And, and give a good reference for the, the community. Some people believe that self-defense and sport jiu-jitsu are at odds, that there's some kind of tension between the two. What are your thoughts on self-defense and on sport jiu-jitsu? I think we coming, our, our culture is completely based on self-defense, which is the, the foundations, the tradition which Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is based on is to give to the weak one the possibilities to, to, to face or to adapt themselves in an unpredictable situation. So self-defense is where we all prepare to the unpredictable, to real-life situations. And, and the sequence of that kind of basic foundation, knowledge, you start to have fun with the, the interaction and the jiu-jitsu against jiu-jitsu game. But the competition is based on the game of the practice of the sport. Self-defense is the knowledge every jiu-jitsu practitioner has to have even before he starts to practice in the game because that way he will translate in a much more realistic way to real life. And that way, uh, like myself and all the other graces who brought jiu-jitsu to the world, we all base in that confidence we can handle situations, not based on the sport jiu-jitsu knowledge, but it's based on the self-defense knowledge. And based on that, we expose self-defense to the world, and the growth just brought a lot of competition. So it's time to people start to realize how important it is to be back to the foundations. And, and still competing, still playing jiu-jitsu, but leaving the martial arts into the knowledge because this, what we see here is a game, it's not martial arts. And martial arts is much more complex, is much more accessible for everyone because competition, again, is just for at the most 5 to 10% of the, 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 the biggest uh, potential for jiu-jitsu. And self-defense is something we can teach from the, the, the shy kid to the toughest MMA fighter. So self-defense is our culture, has to be expressed and has to be the basic foundation for every jiu-jitsu practitioner. 
What do you think are some of, I know you've taught at Valente Brothers, some of the other academies, some Hoist Gracie Network schools. Who do you, who do you think is keeping the self-defense, like what, who do you think is doing a good job of teaching the self-defense today? I think every, every academy who has the purpose of self-defense school, they're already doing a good job, maybe with less or more details in the effectiveness of each sport, but they at least have the right concept of introducing people to what they most need to learn, which is self-defense, and then gradually bringing them to the sport. So all the guys who put in their walls, self-defense, instruction, they're already doing a good job because they, they, they perceive the, the knowledge of what is really important for the student. Every other school who teaches only tournaments, competition, points, jiu-jitsu, they do a great job for the competition, but they lack of information who will please 90% of their potential students. What is the one piece of advice you think is most important for people who are trying to learn Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, definitely is to seek for the right information because you cannot learn Gracie Jiu-Jitsu without the understanding of the, fund, the fundamentals. And that is the first important knowledge you should have to be able not only to, to, to follow the, the, the practice, but also to be able to inform other people who are coming after you. Because without the knowledge of leverage and techniques and self-defense aspect, the sport jiu-jitsu becomes too much a tough sport, but not exactly content the elements of the invisible jiu-jitsu. All right, guys, we're down to the wire now. We got the last two. And uh, these are our two most popular shows. And remember, nobody guessed the first one. So we're going to leave you in suspense about that for a while. The second most popular show, I was a little surprised at first because, it, because we, generally speaking, when I talk to people, people really like the long, in-depth 40-minute interviews with people. You know, I think that a lot of us, particularly in, in a community this close-knit, you want to do a deep dive. And if you're going to listen to Seth Champ, you want to hear 40 minutes of Seth Champ and figure out, you know, hey, let's hear, let's hear about Seth's life, about his training. You know, same or, or with Jake Whitfield, right? People really liked the the full Jake Whitfield show, just to talk about not just his training, but also like you know his knowledge of jujitsu history. And people like the deep dive. And so I was a little surprised because our second most popular show is a show where two guys are, are on, and we sort of split time between them. But then I thought, you know, Cody Malte and Dewan Owens are two of the most interesting guys in the scene, guys who've done a lot of really fascinating stuff with their lives, you know, including their jiu-jitsu training and their martial arts training, and both are also wildly successful MMA fighters. And so, in retrospect, at first I was surprised, but then it made perfect sense, because, you know, everybody wants to hear from Cody, everybody wants to hear from Dewan, and we got them on the show together. So our second most popular show it was when we did the Elevate MMA Did a Benefit um, for the Hip Hop Chess Federation. And to preview that, we talked with Cody Malte, Black Belt Under Robert Drysdale, and Duane Owens, a successful pro MMA fighter, a triangle jiu-jitsu blue belt, all around uh, fascinating dudes. And here is a little bit of what each of those guys said to us. Fighting is, is wonderful, man. Fighting is, oh my God, it's literally like a play. You can just be any character you want. And I think as I learned to love each individual art, when I started really loving wrestling and really loving judo and really loving, you know, kickboxing and traditional Thai and spending time watching those matches in my free time to the same level that I was watching jiu-jitsu, it gave me a full appreciation for the variety of techniques and the depth that you can take each technique and each art to and then how much fun it is to combine all of that and make it into one big picture and to put it all together 
and to be completely open to adding anything to your game that works and to be willing to exclude something that works for someone else just because you find on your path it's not going to be effective. And so I think that to me was being a fighter is being open to whatever's going to work in that time set. And I think it also has a lot to do. And because, you know, I'm looking at winning an MMA fight, no, most of the time, you know, Daniel Brandt's excluded. You haven't trained with the guys you're fighting or at least, you know, so it's a brand new person. Mm-hmm. So, man, I only need to catch you once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the time you figure out that the stove's hot, I've already, I've already won my hands raised. I'm, I'm, out of, <laughs> I'm out of the cage cashing the check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you folks, but I really like surprises. And so we've gone through uh, 10 shows. We've gone through nine shows. We're about to talk about our 10th and most popular show. And, uh, you know, to recap, um, our top 10 is a real mix, right? You have three world-class folks who came in from outside and and talked to us while they were either on their way through town or I got the chance to interview them while I was rolling through their town. But, you know, three of them are like that. And then seven are local folks of, of some nature or another. The the most popular show is a little from column A, a little from column B, I think, because even though Tony Casares is local, he's also an elite competitor and you know did really tremendous things at the brown belt level, and unfortunately has been has had some some uh, some injury and health problems over the last year, so hasn't competed as much, but has a very successful school, uh, Lucas Lepre, BJJ Raleigh, and is one of those dudes who just gives a great interview. You know, he was a school teacher when he was before he moved out here from Texas. And so you can sort of see his sort of perspective on things, that that informs his perspective on things. So part of the reason I think this was such a popular interview is that Tony is just a great guest. And uh, I I know he has plans to do his own podcast, non-jujitsu related, related to like education and philosophy. And so we'll watch for that as well. But um, And this is why I love doing the countdown, to be honest, because... Sometimes you forget, like, man, I had a really good time talking to that guy. Or, man, I really have a good time training with that guy when he beats me up. And so I will have to, in celebration of Tony Casares being our number one uh, most popular track on SoundCloud, I will have to make a visit to Lepre BJJ and Raleigh and uh, have Tony and some of his guys uh, lay a whooping on me. Um, <laughs> so so if you guys are listening, uh, I'm coming. And uh, congratulations to Tony for, uh, for being our most listened to show. And thank you all. Uh, for listening both to the podcast and to that interview with Tony in particular, an excerpt of which we will play here. One conversation that comes to mind, uh, we were talking about, I don't know what we were talking about, but I brought up ego and I told Lucas, yeah, man, like just leave the ego at the door. And he kind of, kind of, he, he, he said something that, that stayed with me. He's like, no, man, like it's okay to have ego. It's, it's normal. Just have it in check. You know, like you, t- to say that it didn't bother you that you did bad today, that's the, come on. Like mm-hmm. to say that, oh, you're okay with losing. Nobody's okay with losing. Even if they say they are, nobody is. But it's okay to have ego. It's okay to have pride. Just don't let it be this vice that overcomes you. So that's our show for the day. I hope that you really enjoyed uh, listening to what our top 10 shows were. Hope you enjoyed listening to some of those interviews. And remember, all of these things are archived for free on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on the whupfm.org website. And so if you were interested in hearing more from Robert Drysdale, or if you think, or if you said, hey, I loved that excerpt from what Bagels said about competition, I would like to hear more of that, you can. You can go and check all that stuff out. Um, all that we will ask is two things. First of all, please leave us a review if you want, especially if you like the show. And second, try and keep October 15th uh, free on your calendar so that we we can um, so that we can uh, we can put on another fun great community event next week we're going to be back live in the studio 
and we're going to have some great guests for you. Uh, like I said, we're going to try and talk to uh, newly minted Pendergrass Academy of Martial Arts black belt Sean Zorio, and we're going to bring Bagels back in to have the U.S. Grappling Truck family uh, interviewed in studio. If you have other ideas for interviews coming up, I would love to hear them. Cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. Uh, Triangle Jiu-Jitsu is where I train, and uh, so please come on out and support that as well. Uh, I am Jeff Shaw. We will have Trevor Hayes back in the studio once again next week. I want to say thanks again to everybody who has come on the show to be interviewed and all you folks who have made the show a success. And uh, thanks so much. See you next week. Mm-hmm.